Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Nahmaduhu unasalli ala rasulihil kareem amma ba'd. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala and we seek blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him. Uh, if someone can let me know that you can actually hear me, because none of you are showing your, your, your faces right now. Um, well, I can hear you. Okay, good, mashallah. Okay. Yep, hear you. So, very, very good, mashallah. So, so we're continuing along in our study of, of the beginnings of Surah 2. And, and hold on. And so <clears throat> we're looking at the attributes of the people of Taqwa. For sake of time, I'm not going to write all of them out. But so the people of Taqwa. So we spoke about Iman in the ghaib, so belief in the unseen. And then we're finishing off our discussion about establish, establishing salah. And then we'll do uh, uh, point number three today, inshallah, as well. So these are attributes of the people of Taqwa. And we spoke about what does it mean to establish Salah at the individual level. We spoke about what it means to establish Salah at the collective level. And so the next question, just like we did with attribute one, how is Salah like what we said about Alif Lam Mim? So when we spoke about belief in the unseen, we said that establishing or that to the if I believe in the unseen, I'm believing that there is a world beyond my perception, that my perception is limited. And that's an act of submission. And likewise, with belief in Alif Lam Mim, I'm saying that there's knowledge beyond my knowledge. My knowledge is limited. And Allah is not limited by my limits. So having said that, how is Salah like uh, or how does it parallel one point to think about and this is a question for all of you is if we were to take all the steps of of prayer and oh summer makes a very good point that it was prescribed in the world we haven't seen we'll come back to that in just a moment inshallah. if if we take all the steps of prayer so we have wudu in all the steps of wudu and then I'm standing for prayer. I'm facing in the proper direction. My location is clean. I am, I am clean, meaning ritually or spiritually clean. And then I say, Allahu Akbar, and then I'm reciting everything. And I go all the way to the end. Assalamu alaikum, assalamu alaikum. Okay, so suppose I have all those steps. Now imagine I did all those steps in reverse order. Okay. So I'm facing Makkah. Okay. And I start with Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. And I recite everything but in reverse order. And so I'm starting sitting, and then I do two sajdas, and then I stand up, and then I do ruku, and so forth and so on. How does that count? What do you think? I have everything, but I'm doing it in reverse order. What do you all think? Okay, so order is part of it, yeah. 
or let's even say this, that uh, instead of, I do all of the steps in the right order, but instead of, uh, instead of facing Mecca, okay, uh, I, I think it's just you right now that's frozen. Okay, instead of facing Mecca, I face some other direction. Then what do you think? Does it count, not count? And I know which way Mecca is, but I'm facing a different direction. Because I'm saying, well, God is everywhere. Any thoughts? Some of you are probably thinking, oh my gosh, what is he saying? So I think some of you might have just woken up, sir. You may not have full brain capacity, at least those of you who, who, who don't have children. So direction matters. It doesn't count because we're given the orders to pray towards the Kaaba. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't even count. And so what are we saying here that if I follow all the prescriptions for prayer, the location, time, uh, the particular type of cleanliness, uh, and of course, all the steps, all the postures, and all the recitations, we're saying that there's an effect greater than the physical effect of doing it. If there was only the benefit of the, the, the physical effect, then it's a small type of, of stretching exercise, right? But I'm basically saying that if I recite all of this, there is an effect beyond this world. So, Yeah, there is an effect beyond this world. And I may not even recognize what the effect is. One effect will be related to my afterlife, inshallah, but there might even be more effects of, of making my prayer properly. And then likewise, if I skip my prayer, there might be also an effect in the unseen that I'm not aware of. So, Aleph <clears throat> Lamim, there's knowledge that I have, and then there's knowledge beyond my knowledge. Belief in the unseen, that there's perception that I have, and then there's a world beyond my perception. And the prayer, the daily prayer, there's the effect, I, uh, there's the effect that I can detect, like it'll, you know, there is a physical benefit to it, there is also a stability that it gives to my time. And then there's also an effect beyond, uh, beyond what I can detect. Some of that I know I will be exposed about on the day of judgment. Some of that might be an effect in other aspects. So thus, uh, that is a way that Salah parallels Alif Lam Mim. Now, having said that, let's get into the third attribute. And once again, all of this is listed in Surah 2. Ayahs two through five. They spend, and the word in Arabic is infaq, of what we have bestowed upon them. So a couple of things that I'd like to focus on. One is this word infaq, 
INFAQ. And then naturally some of you are probably curious about the use of the word we, and then bestowed upon them. Okay. So first let's define these terms. So attribute three of the people of Tukwa. Infaq means to give to the point of exhaustion. So the people of Tukwa don't just give in charity. They give to the point of exhaustion. So the prophet, may peace be upon him, prescribed the believer that you should be giving in charity all day long with every one of your joints. And one way to understand that is that the career you should choose or the career focus you should have is one of service. Okay. And so those of you who are going to medicine, okay, I mean, inshallah, you can focus on the service aspect of it, including the, the working aspect. Those of you who are teachers, that's definitely a career of service. Most careers in our society are actually service-oriented. And, and, and then the prophet, peace be upon him, ends by saying even a smile is charity. And then there's only like two people whose faces I can see. I can't see if you're smiling. I don't know if anyone else is smiling. You guys should all be smiling all day long. Okay. okay it looks like Eve is smiling. Someone has a sort of a smile. Okay. No, his smile is getting bigger. Mashallah. All right. So infaq is to give to the point of exhaustion. That's what the people of Taqwa do. And so by saying that even a smile is charity, you can be dead broke and you still have something to give. Okay. If you have the ability to speak, you can still say nice things to people. Okay. So charity is not only the ability to give financial uh, uh, benefit. So then the next point that I wanna draw attention to is to, they spend of what we, have bestowed upon them. Who or what is we? Anyone? Again, feel free to talk or to type. I don't know if anyone's actually trying to talk or if you're all hiding. This is the royal we, right? So we have this. So we is referring to a law. And yes, this is called the royal we. So we have techniques like this across many, many different languages. So, so for example, in Urdu, if I'm going to speak about myself informally, I'll say meh. If I'm speaking about myself formally, I'll say hum. But hum literally means we. Okay. You know, if I'm speaking to you in French, uh, and I'm speaking to you informally, I'll be saying tu. If I'm speaking to you formally, I'll say vu, but vu is plural, right? Or we'll have different methods of, of, uh, of address. In Spanish, if I'm speaking to you informally, I say tu. What do I say if I'm speaking to you formally? Easy question. Usted. Usted. Now, what word is usted coming from? Anyone know? Ustaz, teacher. 
Yeah. And so, so the point is that this is, this is something we have across traditions. And in the text of the Quran itself, we have multiple cases of, of humans speaking about themselves as we. So a side point, I won't write this here, but this is if you go to Surat Al-Kahf, the 18th surah of the Quran, the cave, and it's around Ayah 80. Uh, uh, we have this story where Moses, peace be upon him, Musa, is meeting this person who is not named in the Quran. He's named as Khidr outside of the Quran. And he's following him along. And at the end of the story, this man is teaching Musa, peace be upon him, about all the things that, that he did, all the choices that he made. And he said, we, you know, feared such and such, and we hope that, you know, such and such will happen. And so this is a person speaking about himself. Very often when Allah is using we, the royal we, often uh, he's speaking of himself as a provider. And related to that, often he's speaking of himself as majestic, like a king. And so here, here, what we have bestowed upon them, this is Allah is providing. Some may even say, might include the angels. that could apply for almost anything. And so meaning Allah Ta'ala is ordering the angels to provide for, for such and such people. Okay, so those are the points I want to underline. And now let's get into, into the meaning of what's going on. So the people of Taqwa, they give to the point of exhaustion out of what Allah has provided for them. So what we're also saying is part of the attitude is all that I have is from Allah. Everything that I possess is from Allah. We might even say that everything I possess is owned by Allah or is loaned by Allah. So all that I have is from Allah. And so, so related to Summer's point about how the prayer is prescribed from the unseen, this is a, a really good point. We are also saying that what I'm being provided is also coming from the unseen. So yeah, I'm the one who gets up in the morning. I'm the one who gets ready. I'm the one who goes through all the hours of work. And then I'm the one who comes home and then goes to sleep and then goes through the grind the very next day and the next day and the next day. But if Allah Ta'ala didn't give me air, I wouldn't have any of this, right? And if Allah Ta'ala didn't give me whatever the opportunities that came before me, then I wouldn't be able to get up and, and such. So everything that I do, even if it looks like I'm the one who's earning it, still, it could not have happened without Allah. So what we're saying is that the people of Taqwa also look at their wealth that way. That whatever I have is bestowed upon me from Allah. So what else can we infer from this? That they have a consciousness of gratitude. 
because they know it's all coming from Allah. Now, how is giving to the point of exhaustion? How is this like Alif Lam Mim? Any thoughts? So one point we've mentioned related to Summer's point, this is, it's my rizq. So what is bestowed upon them? This would be what we call your rizq, okay. your sustenance. Rizq is from beyond. But what else? Here's a here's a, a way to uh, to make sense of this. Suppose someone is coming to me uh, asking for money, and I know it's hundred percent honest. I know it's legitimate, and and I have this extra income that I haven't needed for ten years. But it's still hard for me to give this money to this person. I know it's 100% honest. I have no doubt about it. I know it's going towards a good cause. What would make it hard for me to still give this money? What do you all think? And Summer makes another very good point, Marshall, which we'll also talk about. Uh, what makes it hard for me to give? Usually it's one of two reasons. So greed could, it be, it could be part of it. Uh, thinking I won't get it back. What if I need the money in the future is the key issue here. That fear. a lot of times, and so it relates to the fear, absolutely, that what if, so I haven't needed this money for 10 years, but suppose I give this money and then suddenly something happens, you know, next week and now I need the money. And so the people of Taqwa understand and so you should think that Allah will provide you with the money in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. So the people of, of Taqwa understand that not only is my wealth coming from Allah, but also my struggles are also coming from Allah as well. So if I'm giving within Allah's guidance and a struggle hits me, he is also going to give me what I need to get through the struggle. So they understand that not only is the wealth coming from the unseen, but so uh, so are struggles coming from the unseen, from the same source. Now, one thing to keep in mind is as we're going through these attributes, these are not commands. These are not commands on you and me. These are just attributes of the people of Taqwa, meaning the people of Taqwa are like this. Now, why am I making that point? If you take this class and then after this class, you decide, all right, I'm taking all of my wealth. I'm going to be like the person of Taqwa. I'm donating it all. And I'm going to donate my home. I'm going to donate everything. Okay. Chances are that the next day you're going to be homeless. Okay. Meaning Taqwa is something that you develop. It's different than being deluded. 
So I might be deluded and thinking God's going to take care of me. I'm giving away all of my wealth. Uh, the person of taqwa has already reached this level of trust in Allah. Good. And so for the person who is starting out, then the answer comes towards the end of the surah. And there's a passage that literally says, they ask you, meaning to the prophet, peace be upon how much should we donate? And then the answer to that is your surplus. Now, in this economy, you may not have any surplus. The only surplus you might have is the ability to give time or the ability to smile or to say nice things. And if that's all you legitimately have, then that's what you give. The people of taqwa are those that have reached that level where they're giving to the point of exhaustion. So an example of this is, is at the time of the prophet, peace be upon him, he was, so to speak, raising some money. And Omar, and many, if you've ever been to a Muslim fundraiser, you've probably heard the story. Uh, Omar, one of the companions, decides, okay, today I'm going to beat Abu Bakr. I'm going to give away half of my wealth. Now they're merchants, so they know they're going to be back in the market the next day, so they're going to earn, inshallah, some more. Um, and then when he arrives, he finds out Abu Bakr had already arrived, and he had already given all of his wealth. Again, as merchants, they know that they're going to, they're going to earn some more the next day. And so... So the point I'm making is that it is absolutely possible to reach that point in a way that's not delusion. And just like we spoke before about the person who is sick and they're deciding, no, I'm only going to obey Allah and then um, and they're going to rely on Allah for cure. You can reach a point of faith where you can do that, but uh, most people are not at that. It takes effort to get to that level. Okay. And then, yes. Relate to the prayers, reward is in the unseen. Now, I've already mentioned this briefly, but what is common among all three of these attributes, and we'll see that this is also common among all the attributes, all of these attributes All of these attributes illustrate something about the people of Taqwa, and that is that they have thorough obedience in Allah and trust in Allah. That the essence of the person of Taqwa is this deep trust in Allah which includes the, the, the consciousness that Allah is going to take care of them. Yeah. It doesn't mean Allah is not going to hit them with struggle. Right? We talked about the five tests, one of which is struggle, one of which is ease, one of which is obedience, so forth and so on. And here, they have thorough trust in Allah. And now think about what that means for the condition of your, your own well-being. If you have thorough trust, then that is sort of like a, a mental or a spiritual anti-anxiety medication. Now I'm saying mental and spiritual because some anxiety is physiology. Meaning, when I have fear, what is fear? Part of fear is lack of trust. It may not be distrust, but it might be lack of trust. If I have anxiety, it, it, is, uh, uh, it is a type of distrust. 
And we'll talk more about these things in the sense that depression is of the mind, is of the heart, or is of the body. Anxiety is of the mind, of the heart, or the body. And if it's of the body, then it's physiology, then it needs a physiological treatment, whether it's medication or, or diet or sleep or exercise or all of those things. Yeah. But we're saying at the, uh, uh, at the core of these people, they have trust in Allah. And we still have three more attributes, but you're going to see this uh, uh, applying to that as well. And so just to repeat uh, the, you know, I'm calling these five struggles for now. So first I'm going to call them five doors to get closer to Allah, which also means that they are the tests from Allah, which also means that they are five struggles from Allah. Meaning every moment of your life, we discussed this way back early on when we were discussing Al-Fatiha, and I'll be repeating this periodically, is, and so again, not in any particular order. Every moment of your life includes one or more of the following. There are things where Allah Ta'ala says, you have to do this, or you can't do that. That's the test of obedience. Why is it a door? It's a doorway to get closer to Allah. Why is it a test? Because it's a test that I can fail. So how do I pass? I obey. Okay. Why is it a struggle? Because fasting is a struggle. Prayer is a struggle. Okay. Giving zakat is a struggle. The pilgrimage is definitely a struggle. Another is the test of ease. And how do I pass that with gratitude? So just a reminder for the, there's the, that gratitude homework assignment, which I hope at least some of you are doing on a daily basis. And if you like, I can also, I'd be happy to repeat that assignment. And then we have the test of struggle or loss. How do you pass that? You persevere. And then sometimes in life, you have to make difficult decisions. So what is the most common question that I'm getting these days from students? It's what's gonna happen in the fall with the school year, right? Because then the student has to decide, all right, you know, do, we, do I move in? Do I rent a place? What do I do about tuition? All that stuff. And you make a decision. Now, all of these have built into them, and you keep a positive image of Allah. And there's also prayers that go with these, like the istikhara prayer for, for, for difficult decisions, or the prayer that Musa alayhi salam makes when he's in rock bottom in Surah Al-Qasas, so forth and so on. And then for all the times I fall short on the first four, I seek forgiveness. And how do I pass that test? I ask. So what are all these in reality? All of these are doorways for me to get closer to Allah. And then we use the term tests because for at least the first four, I'm going to be held to account on the day of judgment. And then why are these struggles? Because even ease is a struggle. The struggle there is to become grateful because the struggle is against yourself to become your natural desires to get more selfish, you know, or to get uh, slothful and such.
Okay, so we're at 28, 3.28 Chicago time. Anybody have any questions about anything at all of any of this material or material we've covered? Uh, does anyone need me to repeat the gratitude assignment? Yeah, can you please repeat it? Yeah, absolutely. So, so far I've given a couple assignments. Uh, so this one's a mandatory assignment and then there's some optional ones. So the gratitude assignment is as follows. Okay. Each day, you can do it whenever you want, preferably use uh, either a document like online or your own notebook, what have you. List five things you should be grateful for. Do they have to be different every time? Yes, no repetition. From the past day. No repetition. And I don't remember if this was part of the original assignment, but then what we add is, is, is add Alhamdulillah for each one. So make your list and then add Alhamdulillah. And for each one, add the prayer, the dua, that is in Surah Al-Ahqaf, Surah 46, Ayah 15. And the prayer is simply, my Lord, guide me to be grateful for what you bestowed upon me and upon my parents and guide me to work deeds to your favor and to serve you in Islam. And so, so do this every single day. If you miss a day, don't worry. Just the next day, just keep with your five. You mean, you don't, if you miss like three days, you don't have to add 15 the next day. Five, 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 five. The goal, first goal is just consistency. That's the first goal. And the second goal is completion. If you can do this on a consistent basis, and consistent even means four times a week, uh, over the course of six to nine months, you're really gonna start seeing its, its effect. Think of this as a low dosage medication. It literally takes about 60 seconds, but it'll, because you can't repeat, it's gonna start feeling like push-ups or, or uh, heavy workouts of your brain because it's forcing you to rewrite your neural pathways. Okay, so uh, another one is the Al-Fatiha exam. And for that, if for those who've missed the lectures for Al-Fatiha, go through those lectures. And the previous recordings are all in the same place, tinyurl.com, pandemic or on class L1.
those are the mandatory assignments so far. And then the optional assignments. Regards relationships. And for this, I forgot what number I gave you all, but uh, list out 20 to 30 of your primary relationships. So this might include parents, siblings, children, relatives, friends. Uh, yeah, I'll do that in a moment, uh, some of relationships. and then categorize them. And a way to categorize them would be, okay, you've listed them all out, figure out which one are your strongest or your most important relationships, less important and so forth and so on. And then evaluate yourself in each of those. Meaning you're looking for what you need to improve upon. And for that one, especially, but for all these, I'm, I'm more than happy to work with you one-on-one -on -one to, to, to work deeper. Because the relationship exercise then opens the door for the forgiveness exercise. Like with some students, I have them listed all the people with whom they have grievances. And then to figure out how to, how to, how to repair those things. So, so this one, in case uh, some of you want to take a screenshot. Got it? Okay, uh, Sumaya, thank you for, for typing out. Yeah. Anyone else have any other questions about the assignments or the, the material we've been looking at? I do. Go for it, um, Eve. On the, uh, on the notes that you give us, I haven't like missed a couple of days and there's no, the whiteboard notes are there, but there's no written notes. Mm. I think it was for class like 10 and 11. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming so, that's when, I'm sorry, I'm assuming that's when you gave the Afasiha exam. Oh, so, so the notes basically I depend upon random students here and there. And if there's no notes posted, it just means no, no students have sent them to me. If someone, if other students would like to be so kind as to share your notes, um, I'm more than happy to post them in the document and other people inshallah can then benefit from, from your notes. So if anyone does just email them to me at, uh, 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 at my Loyola address, mm -hmm. or if you have my WhatsApp info or whatever, uh, just send them to me one way or the other, then I'll literally just copy them and paste them. So yeah, there are quite a few days that, that we're missing the notes. There's been some students who've been really, really generous in, in posting them, but I think for a lot of students, their sleeping schedules so upside down that they're even missing class and such. So. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Any other questions about anything at all? Alrighty. Uh, if there are no other questions, then we will stop right here. And oh, go for it, Aya, or whoever is using Aya's computer. Feel free to talk or type. I have a question about charity giving zakat. If you, yeah. for example, if you have student loans, how do you calculate, like if you have debt and you mm -hmm. have, for example, student loans, how do you calculate giving zakat? 
For that, what I would suggest uh, uh, for like those types of, of Zakat technicalities, I would just go to an online Zakat calculator and they will include, uh, you know, uh, a question about your debts and such. And uh, I don't want to give you any, any incorrect information. But um, if you'd like, I can look for like an online Zakat calculator or something. Uh, but this is that time of the year where everyone starts posting them anyway. Okay, thank you. Shukran. Any other questions about anything at all? Alrighty. Okay, so if there are no other questions, we'll, we'll stop right here, inshallah, and we will continue tomorrow, same time, same place. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika, nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta, nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma, glory to you, O Allah, wa bihamdika, praise and gratitude are to you. Nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta, we bear witness there is no God but you. Nastaghfiruka, we seek your forgiveness. And we turn to you. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika. Nashadu illa ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka. May Allah tell reward you all, inshallah. And keep everyone safe and secure. And we will continue tomorrow. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.